0: Hi, I'm Phil Truthaway.
1: Hi, I'm Serena Joel.
0: You're listening to the Creativity Speaks podcast, where Serena and I explore the stories of Sacramento's creative community. Serena has produced and marketed some of your favorite Sacramento events.
1: And Phil is the co-founder of Creativity Plus and creative director of Position Interactive, a digital design agency. Each season of Creativity Speaks focuses on a different theme. This quarter, we are highlighting Black voices in our creative community because it's way overdue
0: thanks for listening we hope these discussions are enlightening inspiring and spark a few conversations in your home and workplace
1: if you're interested in being a sponsor of this podcast email us at creativity plus that's p-l-u-s sacramento at gmail.com
0: today we have Maya wallace if you look at her resume She has a degree in cognitive science from Northwestern. She has a master's in public policy administration. Her day job is internal auditor and performance manager at the state of California. When I think of these things, I don't necessarily think of one of our most passionate leading advocates for Sacramento's creative economy and social justice. So that's what I love about Maya. She is this this contradiction, but also this wonderful melding of these two different worlds, this public policy world, this civics world, and government. And then she also feels and understands this creative world that, you know, I I may live in and many of you may live in as well. And so I really appreciate there's someone like Maya in the world to bring this all together. And so to kick this off, my first question is, Maya, how did that happen? How How did the unicorn of Maya happen? How does this woman get to this point in the world where she understands public policy? She can stand reading documents and watching the city council, but also loves the creative world and advocates for it.
2: Well, a lot of times I answer that question with an origin story. My mom is an artist. My grandmother was an artist. My sister is very creative. And I was once a classically trained classical guitarist. (laughs) And I actually wanted to go to Northwestern to study guitar to begin with. But I always excelled in history and social studies and government and those kinds of subjects. And so when I went to college, I was really interested in psychology and anthropology and sort of like understanding how the world worked. And then obviously, educational equity was always really important to me. When I first moved to California, I just was really struck by the segregation and discrimination that I saw a lot of students experience. I moved here when I was seven and I was sort of in a late arrival class at my elementary school, which meant that I was in class with a bunch of students who had also arrived over the summer. And a lot of them were non-native English speakers. They were either immigrants from Vietnam and Laos, or from Central America and Mexico, right? Like farm worker kids. And my mom's best friend was actually a political asylee from Guatemala. And so I just was, it was this really weird combination. And we were in Anaheim, And it was changing demographically pretty dramatically at the time as most of California actually was because something like 50% of all of America's immigrants came to California in the 80s and 90s. And so my teachers just were not adapting to this well at all. And (laughs) so they were sort of really rude to the students and not accommodating of their needs. And that really upset me. And I've always kind of been this person who if there's something in the world that is not right, I cannot really rest until I've tried to do something to remedy that situation.
0: So how do you ever sleep?
2: I don't (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm working on balance. Maybe that's like not the best motto to take out into the world because it really does sort of sit with you at all times. But on the other hand, I feel good for Sacramento in terms of the creative economy like what we've been able to achieve over the last five years or so
1: and what is that what would you say you have achieved over the last couple of years
2: the conversation is a lot more sophisticated than it was five years ago or six years ago i don't know if you guys recall but the arena the need for marquee art pieces created mm-hmm. a lot of controversy we had the conversation as a community at city hall in the arts community, around the purchase of the Coons piece, the piglet. And the issue at the time was that the city says, and the developers and everybody, that they needed something that was ready to go. And that Sacramento artists did not have the capacity to deliver something on that scale and in that time frame. That may be true, and that's fine. And I also understand the rationale for wanting to have a world-famous artist's piece in Sacramento. But I also think we have a duty as a community to our residents to provide them with opportunities. And that was a huge opportunity in terms of funding for local artists. And it wasn't afforded to them, except with the additional million dollars that Marcy Friedman threw into the pot, which did actually create Great opportunities for the artists who did ultimately participate in that project. Uh, Brian Valenzuela's career has really taken off, I would say, as a result. And then Gail Hart as well. And it also proves that there are Sacramento artists that have the capacity to do large-scale public art installations.
0: Brian's Um, piece is one of my favorites around there. It's
2: beautiful. Yeah. yeah. The RCAF piece inside as well. I really like that. And that one's actually supposed to have a connection to... The first RCAF mural, the one at Fourth and L on the parking structure, Metamorphosis.
0: RCF is a good one to bring up, the Royal Chicano Air Force, which some people know about, some people don't. And it's, it's a great segue into the conversation of diversity and inclusion in Sacramento's art scene. And they were an amazing force for the creative community in our region. In the past, they're a little less active now. How do you feel about inclusion in Sacramento's current art scene?
2: Um, Well, that would be, I would say, the other thing that I think we've done a good job of. So we've done some funding things and some capacity building. And then the other piece that I think we have made some serious progress on is equity and inclusion. In 2017, the Arts Commission convened a race and cultural equity task force. And we spent the year listening to the community and developing a statement around how we will approach art and value it in Sacramento and the idea is that as opposed to sort of like a standard stance in the past has been communities of color and other communities with different needs they need to build capacity to be able to compete with the mainstream the argument the statement makes is that every community in sacramento and and everywhere is valued and valuable And stands on its own merits without being compared to these other constituencies. And that we have done a poor job of investing in those other communities and understanding and elevating their work to be at the same level. So it's like turning sort of the whole entire conversation around capacity building on its head. Because it's really about us as evaluators and funders. And how we need to interrogate our own assumptions when we're looking at other people's work from other communities, as opposed to, uh, as there was a a really great workshop title from out of the Department of Cultural Affairs, that was like, instead of teaching them how to write in white people... (laughs) 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 And so I I think Sacramento is on this trajectory, but I wouldn't say where LA is or San Francisco or some of the other major cities that have been advancing this work. But I also think that Sacramento is different and has sort of some different parameters to deal with. The conversation has been fairly productive and fruitful and has also resulted in major grant awards to organizations that would not have gotten them in the past.
1: When you compare Sacramento to other communities, are you comparing the artists who are creating the art or are you talking about seeing that the art that as a consumer, as a citizen that we see walking down the street should also reflect the diversity of the community? Yeah. And would you say that Sacramento does a good
2: job of that? So, in terms of who's producing the art, I would say that Sacramento is comparable to other places. Obviously we're not the same size and we don't have the same tradition maybe as a place like Oakland, but there's a lot of interplay between Sacramento and Oakland artists. And I would say that I take a lot of inspiration from the work that happens in Oakland on on social justice and on art and on public policy. (laughs) What Oakland has that Sacramento doesn't have, And San Francisco, too, at least from a funding and policy perspective, is a commitment to elevating the work of those communities. Oakland has Black arts districts. San Francisco has a quality of life tax policy that requires that the funding from the transit occupancy tax be spent on public art in neighborhoods as selected and determined by the neighborhoods. And we do not have that in Sacramento. We have a 2% for art program, which does provide funding for public art, but it all goes through the same funnel.
1: Do we not have that because our city leaders are not advocating for that, or is it start kind of from the ground roots level, where we need to be pushing our city leaders to advocate
2: that? We used to have sort of a gentleman's agreement around arts funding in Sacramento. Up until this year, 2020, the city and the county had a joint arts commission. And this year it split. Well, actually, the city just sort of like divested itself from the county process. And I don't know if the county is going to have an arts commission or if they will do something different. Interesting. Um, Yeah. There used to be this agreement that half a percent of the TOT from both city and county would go to the arts. Can you tell us what TOT TOT is? Transient occupancy tax. There's a hotel tax. And it's almost like a myth to me at this point, because I feel like we've been having we had the recession, the Great Recession, and that's when it was suspended. And it just feels like it's a decent measure because most cities do something with their T.O.T. that's dedicated to the arts. We have not kind of been having that conversation in Sacramento. And I would say that that's partially an advocacy issue for the community. But on the other hand, we ran the Measure U campaign with the, the intent that that would create funding for the arts community in addition to other priorities. The arts community has never been included in that conversation at the Measure U committee level. There's no representation for the arts community on that committee. And there is in the city manager advisory council, but I think the arts are really connected to the community, and I think it's a real missed opportunity. I don't really know why that seat isn't there.
0: Because
2: <laughs> I did ask, but it, it didn't happen in, in the council meeting. So.
0: Well, it's interesting. In one of my travels to Austin, Texas, they give twelve percent of their TOT tax to the arts community, and did not change it during the recession, which is a testament to where they are now with their creative economy driving so much tech attraction there. And jobs but I digress for a second there uh, because they actually have a nonprofit, which is a broad organization that represents the creative community and so I often think about if the city council wants to reach out and talk to the creative community and, and involve them the arts community who are want to call them who do they call do they know if I was to be told oh, all right go talk to the arts community would I know how to do that
2: you'd know how to talk to your part of it right right yeah We're still in that work, right? And I think that the race and equity statement is part of that, which is sort of identifying what we don't know and who we haven't talked to. There are a couple of things afoot that I think are promising in that regard. We have, obviously, Warehouse Artists Lofts, it created its own ecosystem. that We wouldn't have known how to get all of those artists in one place or have a funnel to a huge segment of Sacramento's arts community without it. So that's one thing.
0: It goes to show to make things affordable and you can get them together.
2: Yeah. Well, when you look at our
1: street, there's such an energy over there because of all of these creatives that have come together and done amazing things.
2: Right. And I don't think, you know, you said you make things affordable and they'll do it. And without Warehouse Artists loss, I think we would have lost a lot of our artists community to other places. affordability is so huge. And, And that's actually why I was a little... Reluctant to split the city and the county commission because now the city's commission doesn't have jurisdiction over a lot of artists who live in the county. And as you know, our city is not exactly geographically contiguous. (laughs) And so there are like these little chunks that are more affordable because they're in the county. And that's where people who make less money tend to go. So I worry about that.
0: And those people tend to be creatives and artists.
2: Yeah. Among lots of other things, nonprofit Definitely. employees. <laughs> yeah. Teachers, right? Like there's all these folks who can't afford to live in the city that serve it.
0: How do you feel representation has been in the arts commission as well as like, how do you feel as a black woman on the arts commission? Do you feel an extra onus? Do you feel you're listened to properly? I mean, I don't want to make a loaded question out of it, but I want to kind of ask the broader question of how you're heard.
2: The Arts Commission has had a significant amount of turnover in staff since I joined, or since I was appointed. And uh, obviously, it's been also going through this development phase. We did the Creative Edge plan. During that point, we had hired uh, Jonathan Gless. He was actually really helpful in shepherding cultural equity work through the city. We presented it to city council, started a conversation with them about Equitable representation and funding the membership of the commission itself has always been fairly representative, I would say. I'm not the only black woman on the commission now, so that's new Excellent. <laughs> yeah, and the qualifications of people on the new commission are are really high, and that's not to disparage the previous commission. I would just say that people are really committed to Representing, understanding, and creating opportunities across the city and not necessarily just championing the interests of certain organizations that have sort of, sort of, the perception is they've always been the ones that get funding and no one else gets any.
0: Right. And can you, can you pause for a minute and tell the listeners as to what the Arts Commission, what power do they have? I mean, as a citizen, I don't actually know what the Arts Commission does, what power they have, and how, why they're important.
2: Yeah. Well, That remains to be determined in some ways. Each member is appointed by the city council member, the district in which they live, and then three are appointed by the mayor. And we have sort of delegated authority to do what the council tells us to do in terms of arts funding. And then we also have, our job is to be connected to the community and make recommendations to the city about what to do with arts. But we can't really direct staff to do anything that, hasn't been delegated to us by the city council directly. So for instance, we did the race and cultural equity statement and we adopted it. But like, I would really like to see a set of policies come out of that around how we do public art. To get back to Serena's question about representation and whether or not our art reflects our community. San Francisco has policies that require that, right? Like they have the money goes directly to neighborhoods who choose the art. So San Francisco has... Policies that will ultimately result in art that reflects the community and is chosen by the community. They also require that 15% of their public art projects represent women. We don't have any policies like that. And the Arts Commission cannot direct staff to do stuff like that. It can make recommendations to the council that it implement policies that direct the staff to do that. So it is really hard to understand and hard to see how arts commissioners really have true power because in some ways they kind of don't. They're representatives of the council and their job is to advise the council.
0: So instead of a strong mayor initiative, we want a strong arts commissioner initiative?
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like that. In all reality, how do we get something like that to happen here?
2: It would be city ordinances that the council could adopt.
1: So it would be electing city officials who have those types of goals and initiatives that they're pushing along.
2: Yeah. The other thing is, you know, the Arts Commission hasn't had leadership staff. So the Office of Arts and Culture, right? It's not the Arts Commission. And that helps with the confusion, right? But when we look at
1: the city council, who is the greatest art advocate?
2: Steve Hansen. Oh. Oh. And then with him turning down or yeah. Yeah, That's why I'm not gonna be on the commission anymore, because Steve is Steve appointed me. Gotcha. Yeah. And he's really given me the room to do a lot of this work for the last several years. And he's been a really strong partner behind the scenes.
0: Um, Are the arts commissioners paid any stipend or anything like that? No. Who's actually getting paid a salary to advocate for arts in the art community?
2: Nobody. (laughs)
1: Um, that's a testament to how passionate you are and a lot of our, our advocates are in our community
2: yeah we asked the question about who else would you go to to connect with the arts community and I'm really excited by the prospect of the Sacramento Alliance for Regional Arts Sarah which is supposed to be a successor to professional arts leaders pals but it's also much more broad. So individual artists can join it and arts organizations can join it. And then they're collecting data and using that to advocate on behalf of the arts community. And so they're brand new. they just started like two months ago. But I just think that's a really important, critical piece of the infrastructure that we're missing. And then the other piece is that we finally have a new leader, the creative economy manager. We've just hired Megan Van Voorhees. And she's, she's here and working. So that is a really good prospect for the future.
0: Yeah, Megan is the one I was wondering if you would answer my previous question with. Like, is that her job?
2: Yeah, to some extent. She knows what she needs and she knows that she is supposed to balance three things. The political interests of the council the needs of the staff and the day-to-day of the work, and then the needs of the community. And then all of those things have to align with what we're doing in terms of economic development, tourism, and education. So it's a really huge job. But it's also, it sounds like the most fun job ever, as long as you have <laughs> some resources to work with. It's a little challenging. One of the things in terms of hiring someone that's been challenging is funding.
1: We've talked a lot about how art and community kind of go hand in hand. And so when we look at the first round of protests that had occurred during the summer, Mm -hmm. we saw the looting occur after the first day. And then we saw boards go up and a lot of art pop up. Some art was used as kind of a political statement. And then we saw some art that was just kind of pretty art. One, how did that make you feel? And then two... Was there a lost opportunity there?
2: Yes. So I was trying to find some funding to fund Black artists to do work on the riot boards that people were putting up. And it could have been protest art, but it could have just been art that they already had. I was trying to kind of pay them for digital files and convert them into wheat paste murals. Because it was really hot and I just like, everyone's already out in the streets at night. Like, let's just put something up that sort of allows us to continue the dialogue during the day. And unfortunately, I wasn't fast enough and some other things happened in that space. And I don't begrudge any of the arts community their efforts. But as an arts commissioner who thinks about, you know, the sustainability issues associated with art. And with gentrification and things, I'm trying to find ways to have dialogue and also to make sure that artists are appreciated and fairly compensated. So I didn't like that. People kind of just put out a call and said, hey, come paint our, paint our boards with no support for even for materials. So I do think it was a missed opportunity because I think if we collectively sort of said, we want to think about how we want this community to change in response to this uprising, then our art could have been reflective of that. And the artists themselves could have gotten together and decided that they wanted to tackle different issues and do different representations. Instead, it was this really disjointed process. I mean, lots of good things come out of organic disjointed processes, and I don't necessarily want to disparage that. I've often said I really would like to see art by artists of color celebrated and given the same size of installation in the core of the city, since this is the seat of power, and we could have done it, and it would have looked really responsive, and it would have been very important if we had done it that way.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of hard when things are happening so fast. Now that we've had some time, as we move forward, we talked a lot about you know, how government kind of works, and it was very insightful, and I appreciate like kind of breaking down some things and figuring out where the power is and where the money is. We'll probably talk about that for another hour. But shifting over to the community and the creative community and how they can get involved with this and how they can – I know we can touch on Black Artists Fund real, real quick, which is an awesome thing that you put together. And then beyond that, the creative community has always been a really – Important force for change. People rally around certain symbols, the Obama poster, Trey Guevara's, like, you know, different imagery that we just think about, right? How can our creative community support positive change?
2: Well, right now, I think there's been really cool, like, protest art collaboration going on. The Black and Brown Shut It Down Solidarity March was breathtaking. There were native dancers out in front, sort of like leading this march. And then there was this really amazing poster art that someone did that had, like, the Aztec, it had, like, a panther, right, from indigenous culture in in Mexico and South America, the leopard, right, and then the panther, like, the black panther, sort of facing each other, you know, sort of egging each other on. It was phenomenal. I think it was the best protest action, but it also was like very art centered. And so I really liked that. But I also think the sloganeering, the visual imagery that emerges from this, you know, all of the artwork that everyone does whenever someone is killed by police is really humanizing and it keeps it in everybody's consciousness in a way that I don't think would happen otherwise.
1: One of the things I found really interesting with the Black Artists Fund, specifically the video that came out recently, was that you can go onto this website and you can look for Black artists who do anything from graphic design to photography. And so other than that one resource, is there, kind of to Phil's question earlier, is there a database of artists in Sacramento? So just through my work experience, there's been multiple times where we're looking for an artist to do something. And I'm just scrolling through Instagram. But are there other resources other than the Black Artists Fund that we could reference?
2: Not yet. That's sort of the conversation that we always have in Sacramento is how do we pull everything together? How do we connect the dots? And I've worked on that kind of idea in a couple of different domains. And, you know, the Promise Zone initiative is a, a space where we work to build a resource locator for nonprofits. So they kind of know who's doing what and who needed what. And it's sort of like we need to do the same thing in the arts as well. I will say the Sarah website, as it gets built out, is going to be one of those places that's a resource for the community. The SAC 365 has a section where artists can go and build their own profiles. I don't think we do enough to market that resource to the community. I also think that it has some usability issues or else people would use it that way. I don't know if it's that the split mission is too difficult to bridge, because it you know sort of like promote tourism, and they don't necessarily think about local arts issue arts stuff as things that are associated with tourism. They do a good job of featuring artists and promoting, but I just it's it's a it's a reach issue or something because I think the work that they do is good. The city has a community engagement manager now in the economic development department. Her name is Lynette Hall. She's cool. And I haven't I haven't had a chance to talk with her directly about any of this, but I know that she's always really mindful of including the creative community in these processes. And I think that's also just sort of getting people engaged and then, then, you know, everyone's there. And then the one other place I think where you can go and find creatives is with the work that Shira's, Lane's been doing with the atrium. She's pulled together like over 300 independent artists, and I, I don't know that that's a database that she shares, but she's definitely an avenue to them. And I think that's kind of the way things work right now: is people have their own lists. And Black Artist Fund, by the way, is working on a directory of Black artists, not just of the grantees, but of everybody that we can pull together in the community. And it just takes time, right? You know, we have like the Black restaurant list. That got spun mm-hmm. up really quickly after the George Floyd uprising. You know, we had the time to do it and we have to make the commitment to keep it going.
1: That, that takes investment. So to keep it going, what can our listeners and what can we do right now
2: to help? Buy, Buy art. Buy art. You can like reach out to some of these what, wide open walls, right? Like that's basically a database of muralists. Soul Collective is always having amazing shows. The thing is, somebody does need to make a directory that's, like, by discipline for Sacramento. You know, there's, like, always a grass-tops organization that you could go to, Sacramento Poetry Center or SES, right? Sacramento Area you Speaks, and that would get you a lot of the poetry community, but you would you'd miss mahogany, right? So, like, you need a directory. So I would say factory 365 get to know these nonprofits that are doing work in the community. Black Art is fun. It would be really cool to me if the city were to do a year-long project of organizing all of the arts into one database. And we did it for film. We hired a film commissioner, right, Jennifer West, and she has been spending her time doing that, and she just launched her website, like, a couple weeks ago. And it doesn't necessarily need to be the city doing it, but... That is a good source of stable funding.
0: Well, it's stable and it's central and it's broad because I know as well, you know, the Design Week Sacramento crew is is trying to do a database of local designers, but, you know, they'll just be designers. You know, the poets are only poets, the artists are only artists. And so what is that central resource that captures the breadth? And it's ridiculously impressive when you actually look at the breadth of creatives in Sacramento. That's one of those things that in doing Creativity Plus for the past four years, it's been amazing to see the diversity of creatives here in this town the range of talent and passion anytime we can bring them all into the light or, or individually into the light it's it's a pleasure it's surprising and it's very heartwarming.
2: hmm you know when you ask like what can the community do and it's just be in the community right like you get into the community and you're amazed and you want to support all of this great work
0: yeah back when we used to drive home from work i used to say what you can do is you can not drive home after work, or not ride your bike home. You could just go out to an event or to a a show. Now it's a little harder.
2: Yeah, but you know, just keep your eye on the on the ground. Sign up for newsletters. Lots of artists have their own newsletters. I know no one needs any more email, but if you're serious, right, about supporting the community, you have to kind of get embedded in it.
0: Yeah, but it's a great point you make to you know put your money where your mouth is and go out there and buy some art. You know, hire a creative business, a filmmaker, a photographer.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we have all this funding we're trying to put out the door for creatives, but we really got to just invest in it. We have to understand that it's really important to our quality of life and that it doesn't happen for free.
0: Excellent. That's a good
2: point.
1: So Maya, knowing that you're leaving the Arts Commission in a couple of months, what do you have planned?
2: So I'm going to be more focused on Black Artists Fund. We have another round of grants. I've been doing some work with the California Arts Council. There's uh, doing some grant review for uh, arts administrators of color. So I'm interested in seeing where that project goes. And I'm maybe joining the LGBT Center Board. So I'm nice. um, getting back in some board service since I have not been on very many boards because the commission takes up a lot of that time. And then I think I'm not going to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. That's always changing. And, and you know, the community's in a real different an interesting place. So I want to support these initiatives like Sarah and, and continue to connect the community. I'll, I'll always do that. And, uh, and then I'm just going to enjoy going to concerts and art openings and stuff when we can do that again. I I have, Missed out on a lot of stuff because I've been doing the work.
1: I do have one more question for you. What is your favorite mural in Sacramento?
2: Oh, gosh. Okay, this is really goofy. but <laughs> My favorite mural is the quail on the back of the DPR building.
0: Oh, that was oh, cool. Oh, okay.
2: It's okay. so cute. <laughs> I know I should have like a serious mural, but I you don't know. I just really love that little quail. It's in my neighborhood. I think that's what it is. Like everything else is sort of further away and I see the quail every day
0: oh that that quails by Raphael is that right yeah it is
2: I know it's different from his other work
1: my favorite mural because I live I think you and I must live close to one another I love the <laughs> Marin Conrad not the daisy what the oh, dandelion the dandelion on, on
2: on a cover, on sacramento covered yeah that is something about that it always
1: just feels so like optimistic to me
2: yeah yeah. Uh, do you know about her project that she's working on right now? She's going to paint the entire outside of Weave with 19 suffragettes. Oh, that's awesome. We will lose the Jeremiah Kelly mural, but Jeremiah's nice. So I don't think he minds. <laughs> it's
0: has to be really powerful when it's done.
2: I think it's going to be really amazing.
1: Well, thank you, Maya. We appreciate you joining us today on Creativity Speaks. Thank you. This was
0: great. Yeah, it's been a good chat.
1: Thanks for joining us today. This podcast would not be possible without our sponsors, Page Design Group, Position Interactive, Porter Co., and Capital Area Development Authority. Our technical producers are Johnny Flores and Kate Gonzalez.
0: This podcast is a program of Creativity Plus and recorded from the safety of our homes in beautiful Sacramento, California. Our programming is made possible by a wonderful team of volunteers. Please be sure to rate and review the show. To learn more about Creativity Plus, please visit convenethecreatives.org And thank you for listening to the Creativity Speaks podcast.